Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. You know, there is no good way to move from that to this. But how about we start moving from that to this with a fun fact? Would y'all like a fun fact? I hope you want a fun fact because you're going to get several fun facts and I'll explain why in just a minute. The very first time I ever spoke in church, okay, was in this spot right here. And that was 25 years ago. And you know who was singing? Albert. I don't know if he remembers that or not, but I thought, holy cow, does this place have amazing music. And then I stumbled through a completely forgettable story in tone so low that nobody could hear it anyway. Um, But the music... The, the praise just continues on and on. Thank you, Albert. Thank you. Thank you, team. Um, I think probably most of the team wasn't born yet at that point. <laughs> and that's, that's wonderful as well. So, so now I'm going to tell you why y'all are going to get so many fun facts, okay? And this is, this is something that the, the first service didn't get. If y'all would just turn your heads around, you can see on the back wall, there's the, there's the things that the musicians and the speakers can use. There's a, there's a countdown clock. You see it's at 23 minutes and some seconds. Okay, well, I, I'm going to tell you, I really enjoy this right here. I, I enjoy it a couple times a year. I'm extremely grateful I don't get to enjoy it every week. But I enjoy it a couple times a year. But this spot right here terrifies me. <laughs> I don't like that spot at all. So when we were preparing, Melanie, you know, the, the typical time, um, she's like, well, how long do you need? You know, how, well, how long can I have? And we settled on 25 minutes. That was how long we had. So that countdown clock started at 25 minutes. So I had this great plan. If I will just speak for 28 minutes, then there's no time left for that over there. <laughs> All right? Yeah, Anderlene knows. But you know what Melanie did? She put 31 minutes in as a buffer, even though she only put 25 up on the clock. So I'm just letting you all know the kind of people we're working with here. (laughs) Um, But would you, I I love to do this whenever I get the opportunity. So I'm gonna try and do this. Uh, We're gonna do this right now. If you have been attending here regularly for two years or less, would you stand up? Two years or less. If you've been attending here regularly for two years or less, would you stand up? Wow. Isn't that amazing? Now, I'm going to go ahead. If you've been attending here five years or less, would you stand up? Five years or less, would you stand up? Including the two-year people, five years or less. So I hope what you all can see, y'all can go ahead and sit down. So I hope what you all can see there is that... um, there's a lot of new faces here. 
There's always a lot of new faces here, so you can always feel the freedom to go up and introduce yourself to anybody, ask them how long they've been attending here. In fact, at first service, this was sort of fun. Uh, like I said, I've, I've, I've been coming here for 25 years. I've been working here for 18 years. Somebody came up and, and introduced themselves to me, and they stuck out their hand, and they said, how are you this morning? And I said, well, I'm fine. And they said, no, who are you? is what they said. And that's, you know, with so many new people here all the time, it's awesome. But I did all that. Part of the reason I want you to know is, you know who else has been here two years? Pastor Ken. He preached his first sermon here on the first Sabbath of June in 2021. So here in just a couple weeks, he'll be coming up on his two years. So y'all can think about that if you appreciate him, if you're glad that he's here. Take the opportunity to, to wish him congratulations on his two years. If you're not so happy he's here, well, just keep that to yourself for the next <laughs> couple weeks. Let, let's, let's give him this one. Um, let's pray. Dear Lord, we, we know that you are with us. We're told that you're with us. We're taught that you're with us. And you're with us always. And you're with us in worship and praise whenever we gather in your name. But sometimes we don't always sense that and feel that. So we pray not that you would be here with us because we know you are, but that we would sense your presence and that we would hear what you might want to say to us and um, help us enjoy this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So yeah, back to our clock. So the, the, the main reason I want to tell you that and why you're going to get so many fun facts today is I'm going to stretch this puppy out. Okay, I, I, the three stories I cut from first service, you're getting. I'm just telling you. So, let's start by going to the question that, that I got last week. Uh, do our words contain divine power? Can our words call forth divine power? How do we get that power? Now, I'm some of you were very kind. Some people came up to me during the week. Some people came up to me right after church last week and said, wow, that's, that's tough, you know. Uh, good luck with that. And, you know, I wouldn't want to be you sort of thing. But I got to tell you the truth. From the second I heard it, I was excited. As soon as I heard this, there were just all kinds of words swirling around in my head. There was all kinds of excitement and thoughts of power and thoughts of the things that words have done in my life swirling in my head. And uh, quite frankly, I felt like I had been tossed a softball and that was absolutely okay by me. So I have way too much to say. Would love to talk on this subject for hours and hours but I am going to try and keep it not to 25 minutes, but to about 31 this time around. <laughs> so as we prepare, I'm going to ask you all if you would do something, because I'm going to tell you right now, today we're planning for this sermon, for this time, to be an interactive time. So if you all choose not to interact, this thing is going to fall flat very fast. It, it just is. So what I need everybody to do is what you're always told not to do. Would everybody please get out your cell phone? And I really hope that every single person here will participate, or at least the 98.3% of Americans that have a cell phone. Would you get out your cell phone and wave it around? Just, just 
letting you know, letting me know that you have it. We're not going to use it quite yet, but we will be using it soon. So just go ahead and keep it in your hand, keep it in your lap, uh, keep it available if you would. So would y'all help me with this? Help me complete this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I'm really glad to learn that apparently everybody still, still knows that. Um, you know, that was said a lot when, when I was a kid. And I was trying to remember back, where did those words come from exactly? And, and in my memory, in my faulty memory, where those words came from was adults trying to build some resilience in us, trying to teach us to be tough, trying to teach us to, to not react to words in a negative way and to not let them hurt us. But an interesting thing, during the week this week, I spoke to several mothers, quite frankly, and I asked them, do you all teach your kids this? And to a person, they all said, no, we do not teach our kids that. We don't teach our kids that. You know why? Because it's a lie. And we're not going to teach our kids a lie. So we already sort of intuitively understand that our words mean something, don't we? We get that. And there was another thing that used to happen in the 90s. Some of you all will probably remember. I hated this. I mean, I, I, I just hated this. But in the 90s, if somebody started to say something and you didn't appreciate it, you'd, or you thought it was insulting to you, or what'd you do? What? Because the face ain't listening. Uh, I was, you, you remember that, huh? Yeah, I think I was too often on this side of the hand instead of this side. Maybe that's why I didn't like it so much. But yeah, so I'm sort of glad that one went away. But there's another thing that we all hear from time to time. And that is whenever some, some words will be spoken. And then somebody will say, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. I don't need you. Doesn't matter to me. Have y'all ever heard that before? I know you've heard it. I've heard it a hundred times. And I can tell you, I'm convinced that every single time somebody has said those words, they very much cared what was being said. And they very much cared what people thought about them because we do care what people think. We might not want to care what people think, but we do, don't we? Well, I want to start with a story this morning. Uh, Pastor Joel Hunter, I don't know if any of y'all know who Pastor Joel Hunter is. Joel Hunter uh, was the senior pastor. I think he was the founding pastor uh, up at um, Northland Community Church, just about 10 miles north of here in Longwood. Uh, huge church. Uh, in fact, I think it's still the biggest church in Central Florida, 13, 14,000 members. And Pastor Joel is retired now, but he would tell this story that I just loved. So I'm, I'm gonna steal his story and, and share it with you all. When he graduated from high school, he went off to college. And so like a lot of young people do, he, he was there in a completely new environment. 17, 18 years old, away from home for the first time. Everything is new, everything is anxious, and it's, 
It's a time of great vulnerability. It's a time of finding out who you are and where you fit. And it's a time where you feel at risk, quite frankly. And Joel, he was living in the dorm and he was on the meal plan, as a lot of kids are. So on his first day, he went up to the cafeteria and the first thing he noticed, and he knew it from his orientation, is there's a line on the left and there's a line on the right. And the two lines serve exactly the same food. It's just that's how many lines they had to, to get your food. So he noticed on this first day that the line on the left was just slightly shorter than the line on the right. Well, you know, he was an advanced student. He went to the line on the left. And he went through and he got his food. And, you know, the food was as good as college cafeteria food can be. But it was the same as everybody else's. And, and so he went back the next day. And when he went back the next day, he noticed that the line on the left was a little bit shorter. The line on the right was a little bit longer even yet. So went in the line on the left. Wouldn't we all go in the line on the left? So he watched this process for, happened again on third day, fourth day. Finally, on the fifth day, the line on the left was about half the length of the line on the right. And curiosity just absolutely got the best of him. And he had to figure out what was happening in this line on the right that he was missing. So he got in the line and he waited his time in the line. And when he got up to the front, there was a man at the serving counter, looked up, saw Joel and said, I don't think I've seen you here before. You are one good looking young man. He said, I am so glad that you are here. And oh my goodness, do you look smart? You are gonna do great at this college. Your parents made the right decision sending you to this college. And I can, I can tell you, this is gonna be a great experience. Now here, you need, you need some good nutrition, have these mashed potatoes and come back and see me tomorrow. And Joel learned what I think we all intuitively know, which is words are powerful. And these kids were so in need of some words of affirmation that they're willing to wait in the line 15 minutes longer so that they can just get these words of affirmation from a man they don't even know. I know words have meant a lot to me. And I, I actually do have more stories than I'm going to share. I want to share just a little piece of when I came to work here. Now, I, I told you, I started attending here about 25 years ago, started working here about 18 years ago. And I would love to tell any of you all the story, the, the, the whole story. If you want it sometime, you, you can come ask me, happy to share it but just going to give you a piece. I had been uh, talking to Andy McDonald, the then senior pastor, and the head elder at the time, and they had approached me about the possibility of, of working here. And frankly, the thought had never occurred to me. There were, there were lots of reasons that that was a questionable move on their part. Um, but we, we talked, and over several weeks, I finally said to him, why do you want me here? Why do you want me here? Other than the three people that already couldn't work here. Why, why do you want me here? And they said something to me that changed the course of my life. And what they said was, first, they said, because we understand who Jesus is to you. 
And we understand who you are to Jesus. But then they said the words that really pushed me over the bubble. They said, we know you, and we know that you have a pastor's heart. And when they said that, the conversation was over. Because what they had done was they had affirmed the words that I had already known inside myself since the time I was five. And they affirmed the words that my grandmother had told me when I was seven and that my mother had told me when I was a teenager and that I had pushed completely against for 25 years. Now, I'm willing to bet that I'm not the only person here who is here because you heard words of life and words of affirmation and words of encouragement here in this church. I, I'm, I, I would, well, no, I wouldn't bet because I'm a pastor in an Adventist church, but if I were a betting man, I would bet that some of you heard words that hurt somewhere else heard words that caused pain, heard words that, that, that made you feel unwanted. And one of the things I can tell you about the whole life church is for as long as I've been here, this has been a place for the disenfranchised. This has been a place for the disempowered. This has been a place where those who have not found welcome, found welcome. Now, I want to be careful because I'm not trying to say that the whole life church is all of that, because we're not. We're just a bunch of Christians on our best days doing what Christians are supposed to do. That's all we are. And isn't that why Christ came? Didn't Christ come for the disenfranchised? Didn't he come for those who had been left out? Which, by the way, is all of us. So, now's the time. I want you all to pull out your phones, okay? We are getting ready for the audience, for the congregation participation part. Everybody pull out your phones, wave them around. I really hope, now I'm going to tell you, this is dangerous. So if, you, uh, if, you, if, you know, if you're afraid of danger, you might want to leave them back. That, that's sort of like a dare. I'm trying to help every, get everyone to get your phones out. Get out your phones. If you have your phone out, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to take it off mute. Okay? Take it off mute. Now I want you to turn the volume up full blast. And I want you to leave it that way for the rest of the church service. And I am hoping that our service is constantly interrupted for the remainder of this service. Okay, so are y'all playing? Everybody got your phones out? Okay, so now go to your contact list, if you would. Just start scrolling blindly in your contact list. If yours is like mine, I got, good grief, I don't know. 4,000 contacts or something. I don't know who all these people are. So, okay, now stop. Now on the screen that you're on, would you look down at your phone and find somebody on there that could use a word of encouragement from you? Now, if you don't see them there, go ahead and scroll on your phone a little bit. Find somebody else. Now, I think this works best, and I'm going to encourage you, don't use this opportunity to send a text to somebody that you text with all the time, okay? Let's find somebody you haven't sent a text to in at least a week. And it's best if you, you know, don't do this with your closest family member, unless you need to be reconciled with your closest family member. 
in which case, pick that person. So, okay, have you got your person picked? Now, you can come up with your own text, or we have some prompts here to help you, okay? So, you, you don't have to use these, but if you just need something, feel free to do this. It doesn't have to be super intense. Hey, I remember you were facing that thing. How are you doing? Hey, I don't think you know how much you mean to me. Love you. Some other prompts. Thanks for being my friend. How'd that one get there? Hey, I'm sitting here in church scrolling through my phone and you came to mind. How are things? So try one of these. Now, if you want to go next level prompts to send to somebody, okay? And these are dangerous because when you send these words out, you make yourself vulnerable. At least you feel vulnerable. But putting yourself in a place of vulnerability is where the power comes from. So if you want to go next level, how about you just send these simple ones? I appreciate you. I love you. I miss you. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is not the right time, by the way, in case anybody is, is, is going down this rabbit hole. It's not the right time to tell your daughter she married a bum. <laughs> and it's not the right time to tell your neighbor that, you know, you still haven't got that rake back that they borrowed two years ago. This is the time to send a text of encouragement. Just, just a word of encouragement. Now, I've got one more slide, and this is for the super advanced, Okay. This is for the people that really want to walk into the danger zone. You ready? You ready? How powerful are those words? Now, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to ask you, if you decide to use some of these words right here, do not follow them with a but. Okay? Because when you follow, I'm sorry, but if you hadn't done that thing, I wouldn't have had to smack you. It's not an apology, okay? Only use these words if you are ready to repair that relationship with what comes next, all right? Now, what I'm going to ask you to do, leave your phones on, because if somebody happens to reply... I want us all to know that somebody replied. So let's, let's hear it when they reply. And if you feel like it and somebody replies, feel free to hold your phone up so that we know that somebody replied. And I'm gonna ask you to do something else. If you send a text to somebody and that text moved them to call you, take the call, okay? I'm gonna paraphrase Jesus here for just a minute. And I'm gonna say, if somebody calls you back and you get the opportunity to build that relationship, then leave your praise, leave your offering here at the altar and go out and reconcile yourself to that brother, to that sister, to that friend. Go out in the lobby. We'll be here when you get back or you can watch it online to see the rest of it. But just stand up and slip out and repair that relationship. So as we're doing that, I know some of you are thinking, okay, but that wasn't really the question. The question was, can our literal words move literal mountains? Can our words perform miracles? So what I want you all to think about with me here a little bit 
is what if we've misunderstood the power of words? And what if we've misunderstood miracles? So let's go to the beginning of the book and see if we can get a different framing for words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. Then God said, he used words and he said, let there be a space between the waters and that's what happened. And then God said, and that's what happened. And then God said, and that's what happened. And he said, and he said, and he said, and that's what happened. And then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So what I want to encourage you to think about is this proposition. What if a part of the like us is the ability to use words to create things, the ability to speak and build relationships, the ability to speak and damage relationship. What if the words are the creative tools that God used and he gave them to us? Words, we're the only creation. We are the only part of creation, at least on this earth, that has the power of words. It's the power of words that helps us to look back and see what we've done. It's words that help us to conspire together and figure out what we might do in the future for good or for bad. It's words that do this for us. So what if instead of wondering why our words don't have power, we opened our eyes to see the incredible power we unleash every time we open our mouths? What if our words are working all the time? And we don't have to look far in the Bible to see this. Just a few chapters into Genesis, the, the people have moved out on the plain of Shinar and, and they were building a tower. Do you remember? And God saw this tower that they were building and what they were doing was evil. And so God came down and what did he do? To thwart the evil, he confused their language. Because he said, if we allow them to do this evil thing with the power of the words, nothing will be impossible to them. So can we actually move mountains? Can we heal? Can we do miracles? Well, I'm going to say to you that if by moving mountains, do you mean, can we do the magic trick of levitating a mountain? I want to go with probably not. But I don't think that's what Jesus meant. And I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind. If you mean, can we move mountains? Can we heal? Can we do greater miracles than Jesus did as Jesus told us we would do? He said we would do greater miracles. So I submit to you, of course we can. Just look across the street and think for just a minute. I would guess that there are more people healed daily in the institution across the street than Jesus healed in his entire ministry here on earth. 
And how does that happen? It happens because we use our words to come together and to make plans and to call forth the power of God. And we do these amazing things. Can we move mountains? Just look around. Humanity's been moving mountains for years. Sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. We build machines that can drill through mountains. We build bridges that span peaks of mountains so that we don't have to go down into the valleys. We build machines that fly so high over mountains you can't even tell they're mountains from there. So maybe there's value if we stop confusing magic tricks and miracles. Magic tricks are things we do to display our power and to advance our agenda. And we can use the power of God, we can use the power of these words that God gave us to do hideous things. And we have. But miracles happen and always will happen when we submit our will to his. When we pray, thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And when our will is submitted to him and the words that he has given us are used to further his agenda, amazing things happen. So as we close... I want to share what is probably my favorite passage in all of Scripture. In the beginning, the Word, the same Word that called creation into existence, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. The word became human. The divine word gave everything for you and I. And so that we might share in the life of the word. So I'm going to submit to you, do our words move mountains? Our words can't help but move mountains. So let's be very careful about the way we use these mountain movers. Now, as Albert and the band sings for us, I want to encourage you, pull out your phones again. If you got a text back from the text that we sent earlier, go ahead and turn on your light and just hold it up as a testimony to how we want to use our words. If you sent a text and you're hoping to get a reply back, you are hoping that those words do something good and meaningful, in the world, in your world, just hold it up. Well, John, 
your plan failed. That's what Melanie told me to tell you. Yeah, I cut five <laughs> minutes. But, uh... but you know, it, it's a good strategy because usually when I'm here, the pastor goes over and I don't have to do this. So, you know, both of us... Well, I guess uh, we're both on the one. hook. <laughs> but I, I do want to thank you so much for, for the sermon today. I know my people of my generation, especially the Latino culture, we are very, we are very much, you know, the words can't hurt us, you know, you know, toughen up. We're always told, you know, nothing people say about you is true unless you make it true, right? Things like that. So it, it's hard for me, to, it's a struggle for me, honestly, to, to understand how words can affect other people. So it, it's so great and the power of, of words. That, so I want to thank you for, for the service today. We do have a, a couple of questions here. Um, the first one, it says, many times I can hear no one can make you feel anything. Is that actually true? No one can make you feel... Well, so I'm going to go ahead and say the, the reason I, I'm not crazy about this part is I just don't feel like I have the authority to answer authoritatively. So can we just agree that I'm just giving my thoughts off the cuff and my <laughs> opinion? Okay, don't hold me to it. So uh, nobody can make you feel anything. Um, would that we were all that independent of each other. Uh, I, I, you know, I, and I don't think it's a Latino culture thing. I'm not even sure if it's a, a, an age or a generational thing. But yeah, we were certainly taught um, not to be, uh, not to have your emotions guided by the words of others. And I think the more assured we become in Christ, the more ability we have to to do that, or at least to, to combat it. But I've become convinced that these words are holy and powerful with divine power, and they can hurt. Can you get over it? I hope so. And I know you can, but, but yeah, they, they can really hurt. Okay, our next one says, are we responsible for other people's feelings if our words do have the power to make them feel a certain way? Hmm. Well, is that me? Okay. <laughs> so it, it, are we responsible for, for somebody else's feelings? Uh, to some extent, I, I believe that we are. Um, you know, one of the things that we're taught in the New Testament is to speak the truth in love. Has everybody heard that? Let's speak the truth in love. But how often have you heard the truth spoken without any love. And I would say, frankly, a lot of times too, when it is, people are saying, well, you know, and have you heard this before? Hey, I'm just telling the truth. Well, I would submit to you, if you think you're telling the truth, or even if you are telling the truth, but it's not in love, then let's leave the truth and just keep the love. Our last question here, um, sorry, I'm looking for the message that they sent me. Okay, it says, what is our responsibility as representatives of Jesus with our words on social media? Sometimes I think it's best to not get involved, but what about when you see an opportunity to speak life to someone who has been damaged by someone else's words? So I like the way that question ended up. It didn't end where I thought it was going at the beginning. Um, but I would say... You know, we, we practiced it. I hope we practiced it here today. 
when we speak words of love and life and affirmation, for some strange reason, it feels like we're making ourselves vulnerable and maybe putting ourselves in a weaker position. I don't think that's true. And I think that when we access the power and the strength of God and we begin to move into vulnerable places, we find out how strong we are in Christ. And so what I would say in relation to that is whether it's on social media, which can be a horrid and hideous place, or anywhere else, if you have the opportunity to speak the words of life and love, do it. Well, thank you. That's all the time we have for the questions today. I want to thank you so much for, for taking the time and for the uh, sermon that you brought for us today. I know it meant a lot to me. Um, how many of you guys have enjoyed this uh, uh, question session that we've had the last couple of Sabbaths, right? So we have one more Sabbath to go. So I don't know about you, but I want to find out what next week's question is. And I'm pretty sure Pastor Ken will want to know what that question is. So Melanie, why don't you uh, tell us what next week's question will be? Well, here we are at the very last question of our Great Questions series. And Ken, I know you are just so curious about what you're going to preach on next week, so I won't keep you in suspense any longer. Here is the question. It's an important question that is central to a lot of people's faith. And this is it. Why did Jesus have to die? Did Jesus die because he was satisfying God's wrath? Did Jesus die because he was paying a penalty for sin? Couldn't God just have forgiven us without Jesus having to die? Wow. So I told y'all already, I really felt like I got tossed a softball this week. Ken, not so much. And I am very grateful that I am not up here next week. Uh, would you join me as we pray? Dear Lord, may the meditations of our heart and the words of our mouth be pleasing to you. Amen. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407 965 1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.